Sup, fellow freak shows. I'm Lorraine. And I'm Amanda, and welcome to Monsters of the Midwest. Welcome to a podcast that is so blunt, you can smoke our truth, baby. We're talking about criminals. Criminals. <laughs> Lots of them. Goddamn criminals. We're going to talk about a, you know, we're, it might be a little bit of a history lesson, to be honest with you. Oh, I'm here for it. I love history. I don't. But I thought it was very, very interesting because of the way that the crime unfolded. So, uh, let's just start, shall we? Yeah, let's get into it. Little little true crime nuggets, here we come. I'm going to talk about the Great Plains Butcher. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Plains like aeroplanes or planes like, you know, the rolling planes of the Midwest or... The the fucking planes, yes. Like the flyover states planes. Okay. Okay. North Dakota, to be specific, which I didn't realize was a state. I I didn't realize they were in the fucking Midwest either, so... I was like, oh, shit, yeah. They're like on the edge there. I feel like we should tell um, our listeners like some of the mental gymnastics we went through when we were looking at cases for this when we were um, starting it up a few months ago. Um, <laughs> what, I can't remember what you said about the Dakotas, but you're like, yeah, I'm choosing like the states that I'm never going to travel to for 100 or something like that. Yes, that I did say that. Because we definitely I'm, are take, taking different routes. We are. I want to research uh, different true crime cases and different types of haunted and spooky things that happen within the states that um, are more towards the west of the Midwest. They're more west. Because you're Western folk now. I I feel like we should probably, for those who haven't listened um, to our previous podcast, Dramatic Legion podcast, they they might not know us as well. So maybe you want to give like a, a small recap of like where you're from and where you are now. Yes. So I am from... Cleveland, Ohio, originally. That's where I was born and raised. Moved around different suburbs and things like that. Ended up in Toledo. Met this crazy broad over here. And basically the rest is history, huh? But uh, we've been friends for, what, 10 years now? Yeah, yeah, 10 years. Wild. Long time. I know. But but, uh, about two and a half years ago, I moved down to Texas. I'm not a, a bitch tex- abandoned me. We became not- good friends and then she left. <laughs> I'm not a Texan. Jeez. I just live here. Okay. So we record remotely, but that's a good way for us to keep in contact or, yeah. you know, keep, keep tabs on each other, if you will. Right. And, um, <laughs> obviously and you- I'm from Ohio. I've born and raised in the fucking sticks where there's more cows than people. I actually do live on a farm also. <laughs> I yes. did um, leave for a while after college, and I lived in Washington, D.C., got to live that big city life. Then I went to um, Cincinnati, came back to nasty-ass Ohio, um, and got to live <laughs> like uh, like a, a watered-down version of a big city. Um, watered-down. Well, I mean, compared to Washington, D.C., you know. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. Then, then, you know, of course, you 
as a typical Midwesterner, uh, you always fucking come home. So here I am, uh, eight year, eight nine years back at home. Um, back home, whatever. I'm he, I'm with uh, he who walks beyond the rose or whatever. You know, children of the corn shit. You want to connect it to exactly. But, um, and there's so much corn by her place. It's oh, it's yes. ridiculous. It really is. Um, it's very scary to drive on all of those streets that when the corn gets really high because you don't know what the fuck's about to come out of there. Right. Right. You just don't. Um, and so I guess like the cases that I'm choosing or have on deck uh, for us are I wanted to choose pla- like things that places I've been. So you're taking like the oh, let's pick places stuff that I'm I know never going to go. And I'm like, oh, I want to tell you some spooky shit about places that I've been because or, you know, towns I've lived in, whatever. So, yeah, eventually I do. Eventually I do want to take that route. But the good thing about our dynamic is we actually aren't going to talk about the cases with each other. We're going to right. let that be a surprise, basically. And we also have, like, two ways of looking at things. Like, I like to go in, like, the psychological fuck-up of, of things. And I, I'm big into astrology, big astrology ho. So I like to look in, like, why are these people doing this? What You know, that piece of the puzzle. And you yes. look at things a little bit differently. You dissect it differently than me. So we got a lot to give you guys, for sure. Yeah, we have two different... We're um, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, exactly. So it should be fun. Without further ado, however, we're going to talk about this Great Plains Butcher, if you Oh, will. yes. His name, Eugene Butler. Oh, cute. Yes. Eugene. Very, All right. Very nice. Very sweet old man. An American serial killer who resided in Niagara, North Dakota, and is responsible for 16 deaths from 1900 to 1906. Wow. Not very. That's a lot of death in a small amount of time. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it gets crazier. The more you hear about it, the more you hear of the case, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So... The early life. That's what I'm going to start with. His early life and known facts about good old Eugene. All right. Born in 1849. He was one of three sons born to Ephraim and Rebecca Butler. They originally resided in Buffalo, New York. And in 1892, Eugene moved out and started his own life in a new state. He chose a quaint 480 acre farm in Niagara, North Dakota. So very quaint, very small place. He went from New York to Dakota? (laughs) What the fuck? Okay. All right. 480 acres. It's a lot to take care of by yourself. That's quite a fucking hoof for like... Just up and leaving. Right. In that (laughs) time. I mean, when we think about the transportation, like at that time. Yes. It's and fucking that Oregon probably, Trail over here. Like, shit. Yeah. Eight, I mean, <laughs> like, 1892, what is that? I mean, the trains, maybe? Right. We're lucky, like, he didn't get dysentery and die. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on the Oregon <laughs> Trail situation. I just can't. Okay. So we're, He made a big he, move. Big move, Eugene. The, big, the biggest, right? That he went to the end of the Midwest. So... He lived on the farm. He'd take care of the farm alone, and he was basically a recluse. He basically, you know, avoided neighbors, which on 480 acres, that's not hard to do, you know. 
funny thing about that word. So I love that you used it. But if you look back into like literature and history, um, recluse was actually assigned to many women that were ended up being like lesbians. That's what they called lesbians, like recluse. But when it comes to men, it was usually they were the creepy old bastard that killed a bunch of people. You know, so. I, I'm glad that you said that, too, because I thought that um, when we talked about the Salem witch trials. Yeah. Yeah. They were known uh, being a uh, recluse. That right. Was one Emily of Dickinson di- was a very famous one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. So. Gotta love the hysteria there. He's a creepy old man that wants to live by himself. He's not a lesbian. <laughs> He avoided neighbors, only went out of town for business needs, if he needed to pick up anything for the farm, things like that. But he would also hire farmhands in the summer to keep up with the crops, which... Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Good on him, right? Yes. When Eugene moved to North Dakota, he started showing signs of mental decline. There were instances where he suffered hallucinations hallucinations and said that people were chasing him around his property. So Ooh, people, that's not good. Yeah. And him being a recluse, who was he telling? First of all, I'm sure when he went into town and went to the market or something, he would say things like this, right? Oh God. Yeah. Telling the, the local grocery bagger, whatever they had at that time, like, Hey, yeah. blah, 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 just spitting off crazy shit. Yes. So like the crazy old crackpot that moved from here from out of town, basically. God. His mind his mind deteriorated even further, and in 1906, he would ride out all night and scream at the top of his lungs and scare all the residents in the area. The so fuck? He would, he would get on a horse, he would go into town, and he would just scream at the top of his lungs and freak everyone out. That's fucking de- terrifying. Yes. <laughs> terrifying. So he was declared a nuisance and was sent away to the North Dakota State <laughs> Hospital. He was mentally unstable, so they just wanted to put him somewhere where they can regulate him and give him whatever therapy he needed, which back then, you know, wasn't very... um, It was like a fucking lobotomy, let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Nice shock therapy, I'm not really sure, but... Right. When Eugene was a resident at the hospital, he was a pretty good patient, right? He would express fears that invisible figures were chasing after him and having his picture taken, believing that cameras would suck out his soul if the picture was actually taken. But Okay. Yeah, there were no There's other a lot thoughts. to unpack here. There's a lot yes. to unpack. There were no other thoughts of self-harm or like homicidal tendencies or anything like that. So they thought, you know, beside him being a little nuts and saying that stuff was following him around or trying to suck his soul out, yeah, he was a pretty all right guy. I mean... Did it say when his birthday was? I'm feeling like some really big Aquarius or Pisces vibes off this, but I don't know. I just... (laughs) Look it up and let me know. Okay. He's described by his physician, Dr. A.W. Guest. Eugene was a man of small stature who was well-mannered, fond of the hospital dances that they held, and Eugene fell in love with one of the female physicians. Now, clearly, she did not feel the same way, and people would like poke fun at her like oh have you seen your boyfriend eugene today so it was kind of like a joke you know because it's her fault but they didn't do it in front of him you know what i mean so still though like oh this has got this has got horror movie written all over it so unfortunately 
On October 22nd, 1913, Eugene passed away at 64 years of age, and his remains were shipped back to Middleport, New York, where he was from, to be buried by other relatives. So he was a nuisance. People called him a crazy old fool. He ended up going to a psych ward and passed away there. That's unfortunate. That's, I mean... Yeah, I it it's sad because... Uh, now that he had passed away, the task of handling his estate was next, right? The estate okay. was divided between his living relatives with the help of attorney W.E. Hooped. And in 1915, workmen were assigned to renovating the property. Now, while excavating a cellar under the home, a workman named Leo... I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I'm going to call him Leo V., Okay. But Leo discovered multiple skeletons in there. And all the skeletons had their skulls crushed and a couple (gasps) of them had broken legs. What the fuck you doing, Eugene? Down in your cellar. (laughs) So there's a lot of speculation here. Were they like buried in the walls? Were they just like chilling down there having a party? Like how did they find the remains? So they are basically renovating the property for sale. So they're going to sell the property. The people have bought this property, bought the home, all the acreage, and they wanted to renovate. So when they started to renovate the property, one of the workers that they hired found this. And he was like, oh, shit, I got to say something to someone, right? Right, right. Like, I would. I'd be like, "Um, excuse me, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So there's a lot of speculation here. Speculation as to who these people are and how they were killed. So they don't really know. Initially, there was a theory that five of the bodies belonged to a family consisting of two women and their children. However, no one in the county had been reported missing at all. So it's not anyone local as far as they know. Now, the possibility of them being family members was also quickly ruled out since they were all accounted for and nobody wanted to visit that crackpot old fool. Right. So now, later in the investigation, the police had eventually revealed that they were all young men, aged 15 to 18 years old. There's his farmhands. There's the farmhands, right? This led police to believe that all the bodies buried on the property were vagrant farmhands that were hired to help out on the property. And that would explain why nobody noticed their disappearance because they were nobodies. They were people that came from out of town looking for work or um, maybe they were foreign or whatever the case may be. See, and this is like, you know, for those who don't know the Midwest very well, this is shit that happens here, man. Like, <laughs> yes. people are just wandering along on the Oregon Trail thinking things are great. And I understand that Oregon is not on the, um, the in the Midwestern territory, but I'm just trying to connect it yeah. to something funny. Yes, but, it's, a ga- um, it's a game reference. Continue. It, it is. We it get is. it. If you, know, if you know we're your people, we're, we're, we're the same. But um, <laughs> If you know, you know. Right. But no, I mean, there is, there's so much farm work and especially like dating back to when this happened, like... That's what people did. They were just nomads going around and, like, trying to find work and to get them to the next place. Because, like, moving from somewhere to, like, New York to Dakota, North, South Dakota, I mean, you got to work on the way there because that's a, a, a huge hoof. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh. In that time. Yes. Absolutely. And 
We interrupt your regularly scheduled debauchery to talk to you about some other cool cats. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. The show really feels like just kicking back with us at home and chatting about monsters and tragedies, but having a few laughs along the way. Just like we'd be doing if the mics were off, frankly. (laughs) You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. Forever and ever and ever. What do you think? Their links are in the description, so go check them out, you turkeys. Time to agitate the gravel and get back to Coolsville. Could you so imagine just, like, venturing to somewhere and, like, not knowing someone, having that confidence of, like, thinking, just oh, dri- shit's drifting fine. into town? Yeah. Right. Hey, no, man. I have to- I- oh, my God. I have I to have a imagine. plan. I have to know where I'm staying. Where's the closest Walmart? Right. Like, I'm not just going to blow into someone's town like, oh, fuck. I guess I'm just going to figure it out. That's why. Right. Those and, type, and, and people do that. that. I mean, they still do. Now they're called Wooks, but I mean, they, they do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. Yes. Uh, anyways. They are. So the police had suspected that with Eugene's health declining, he may have thought that the farmhands were going to steal money from him. And it was also noticed that the bodies that were found, they were found completely nude, which also suggests to police that the bodies were stripped of clothing and the clothing was burned to get rid of them. So Mm. to me, to me, this seems like maybe something went awry. Awry, yeah. And it kind of just happened, but... Six times, once maybe an accident, like, oh, oh, I didn't see him. Oh, my goodness. But with his health declining, his mental state declining, thinking that people were chasing him around, trying to steal his soul out of a camera. Granted, that was later. But you don't know how someone was reacting at home alone, let alone riding into town saying the British are coming or whatever the fuck he was saying. You know, so... Now, here's, here's the crazy part. There's a trap door built, removing three bottom stones from the home's foundation. He used black dirt like topsoil and red clay to cover up the bodies. So with this, there was some sort of uh, not necessarily intent in my eyes, but he 
I, I'm not mm. sure if he put the trap door in or if that was the cellar door that was already there. So I saw a couple of articles that were different on that, whether it was a newer door, like it looked like a newer door that was put in, or if it was always there and he just utilized that space for that. So, okay, let's also talk about one thing that's huge in the Midwest, tornadoes. So yes. most houses, I mean, my house has one, most houses that have cellars, like older, older houses, you know, um, farmhouses, farmhouses sure. definitely have a cellar that was equipped for, you know, hiding out from tornadoes. Yes. So uh, I feel like, I mean, it kind of shows intent, but also like, I feel like the cellar could have been something that was just a necessity it was just the there house. yeah, yeah and- it was just there conveniently oh i don't have anything in here might as well put them in here right but but then he did cover or whatever cover with, yeah, the with bodies the soil the- with soil yeah. and clay so i'm not really sure what happened there but not soon after the discovery of the bodies many onlookers visited the farm to look at the crime scene now, this is a time where they didn't really secure the scene all like that. Mm, and great. people were just visiting there because it was like such a freak show, right? Like, oh, my God, right, I can't believe that right. would happen here. Let's go over there and see what's going on. Everybody in the small town of Niagara wanted to know what the hell was going on. I mean, this is a guy who's from out of town. All of a sudden, he passes away in the loony bin. And, oh, my goodness, wait, there's six people potentially that are in a cellar in this man's house we want to know so it was more like a sideshow attraction to a lot of people they just wanted to go see it there wasn't news the circus was big then that was i mean yeah um i'm sorry i might have missed it were they all in the same spot or were they like scattered throughout the cellar they were the cellar was relatively small so they were around the same area okay 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 yeah it wasn't very large the bones of the bodies were placed in an evidence box and were transported to the office of Sheriff Art Turner. Later, though, it was discovered that some of the bones were missing, suggesting that souvenir hunters who were observing oh, the crime scene may have taken course. some of the bones of the victims. Clearly, you know, securing the scene just was not a thing back then. And to this day, to this day, none of the victims have been identified. Now, forensic anthropologist Dr. Phoebe Stubblefield says that modern DNA techniques could be used to identify the remains clearly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, in 2016, the Grand Forks County Sheriff's Department reached out to the public to find new leads about the unidentified bodies, asking those who may have stolen a bone from the crime scene to come forward so they may test it for DNA. Um, oh, they aren't coming forward. They, you know, like. Ugh. I know. I know. It's kind of, it's gruesome because. It's frustrating. Th- there are collectors out there that collect, you know, weird oddities and things like that. And to think that you may have a a piece of someone that no one knows who it is. A piece of someone's closure, like letting their family or whomever be laid to rest. Like, that's where yeah. I find it irritating. You know, like. I'm a collector of oddities myself, not bones or anything or disrupting crime scene. But I mean, so I get the oddities piece of it, but it's like, I don't know. It was a different time back then. It sure was. Old, old case records were destroyed or lost. Uh, There's old newspaper articles that state uh, what happened at the uh, Butler house and 
Now, back then, newspaper articles were very, like, over the top, overzealous, like, want you grab the reader's attention, just like now, like clickbait, you know? It's like the headline is so captivating, and you buy the paper, and you see what's going on, and that's just how it was back then. And one newspaper article from the Daily Gate City on June 27, 1915, says a startling series of murders was brought to light today by a workman who were excavating... for for a cellar under the old home of Eugene Butler, southeast of Niagara, six skeletons were unearthed, each with their skull crushed in, five of them full grown and one of a youth. So What? A youth? How'd they find they, that out? That's the thing. That's not accurate. So Perfect. when news you know, when the news outlets start saying we found this, they found that they're just piecing together the rumors that they hear because there wasn't a lot of investigating happening, clearly, because it's it goes on to say, you know, uh, they may have stolen from the home. In, set, in setting up the estate, it's reported that some $7,000 was found just in the house, just laying about, which back then, 1900, $7,000 was a lot. That's an insane amount at that point. Yeah. So they go on to say the police theory is that the skeletons are those of transients hired by Butler to work. And instead of paying them off at the end of the season, he killed them. No one has been missing in that neighborhood. It is believed that the murders preying upon the mind of the man was the cause of his insanity. So they're like trying to make him part of an actual like carnival that came to town and oh my he's God. just deteriorating in this weird way, which back then we had no sense of like what causes people to um, you know, lose brain function or maybe it was Alzheimer's or some sort of psychosis. And that could have been the case, but they just fabricated this and then made it, you know, palatable for the audience, if you will. Dang, so, that's crazy. Right, right. Another article states that the murder weapon was a heavy club. Every skull was fractured on each of the victims. He was known to neighbors of the town as the Midnight Rider, who would ride into town on horseback and scream loudly in the middle of the night. <laughs> Oh, okay. (laughs) Exactly. Like, there's some truth to that because he did do some of those things. And they nicknamed him not only the Great Plains Butcher, but now he's the Midnight Rider as well. God. So the, the hysteria that came about this was something that these people had never seen before because they never experienced something like this. And there's the last article I'm going to reference is from... 2016 it's from okay yeah it's from the grand forks herald the headline is are you holding key clues to 100 year old serial murder case now the article states all the information i previously talked about and asks if anyone with bone heirlooms can step forward and send them to be tested if they can find a match for any of these unnamed victims and it goes on to say that without other DNA match to match with it, it would be impossible to get any more information about a case that's this old. Maybe someone would come forward asking about a missing relative from years past. Stranger things have happened to find a missing person. And that 
is the story of the Great Plains Butcher. So, um, whilst you were talking, I did do a little research on, I had to go through about 20 articles, but I did find his <laughs> birthday. Uh-oh. Um, he pegged me as a little odd. He's a fucking Gemini. No wonder. No fucking wonder. I knew it. It gave me he a He clearly weird has multiple personalities. Absolutely. That makes <laughs> so much sense. But yeah, so, you know, a crackpot old fool maybe potentially went a little off the rails because of his mental decline and things happened. And it, six, six young men are deceased because of it and nobody knows who they are this case pulls me in like multiple directions because for one i'm like it makes me sad that um the things that people had to go through because uh, mental health is a really big thing and they it was just i mean it was not i mean you were just like we talked about in previous episodes of our other podcast like hysteria among people with mental illness it's just uh you know i'm it's terrible. It, I, I, it's progressively getting better, but at that time, it was like you were just insane. They could; it was untreated. You had to deal with whatever it was. So, I mean, that my heart breaks yeah. for him as a person that he had to deal with that. Because, I mean, obviously, that was pretty much the a, a huge indicator on his actions. You know, um, yeah. But also, like for those young men that they'll them their families know they'll never have they were like throwaways. Like that's terrible. There's yeah, never exactly. any closure, nothing. But it's such an old case that we can't possibly get any more information it's than there already hard. is. Yeah. yeah. And what's crazy, though, is in in recent years with all of this 23andMe, Ancestry.com, all that stuff, people are getting hits on DNA that wouldn't never necessarily have been... Um, readily available to us right right right. it's crazy but but um, the authorities cannot use yours unless you give them consent so like when that first started becoming popular and people were getting notified like oh this serial killer was possibly in your family blah 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 because it tells you like relatives familial dna yeah yeah so with that it was like oh shit we got to kind of put the kibosh on this real quick because that's kind of illegal well um so my brother and his wife they actually did i I believe they did ancestry Mm -hmm. um but there from what they told me there wasn't a either like you doing ancestry um you're giving like confirmation you're giving them authority to do what they want with your dna so if there is like a familial familial like I don't know, connection or binder, whatever the fuck. Like, I don't know much about DNA other than like the, the, the <laughs> basics, but like, I, ha- I have it like that's it. <laughs> right. But I mean, you're giving your consent by even sending that stuff in. Like it was, it's in the small print. So yeah, I, I would like to actually read that because I think 23 and me doesn't. Okay. Any, well, I mean, anyone th- consent. So it would be interesting to see because that yeah. is that, that right there is, revolutionary in at least in my eyes because oh, yeah for sure there's no other way for you to uh get to know more about yourself through dna and still be able to help authorities crack 
60-year-old cases, 50-year-old cases, even 10-year-old cases, whatever the case may be, with with just spitting into a little or swabbing your mouth and sending it in to get tested. That's literally all they do. And people are just willingly doing it. It's it's very intriguing to me. Like Sebastian, my boyfriend, he got 23andMe done. And as soon as you get it done and other family members do it, they pop up on your 23andMe. Oh, this is your mm-hmm. relative. Yep, that's your yeah. dad. That's your sister. Like it'll tell you you have relatives wherever the hell not just where you're from or what you're made out of. So it's pretty, it's, it's cool. It's scary, <laughs> but it's pretty cool. And it's actually um, one of the cases that I have ready to uh, talk about actually deals a lot with that, with the like discovery of like the DNA and it actually connect. The reason that it became solved was through, I, I believe it was ancestry. Cause it, I mean, it's the case is just a couple of years ago was when it got solved, but it's a, a local case. So Oh, to me, okay. anyways, in Ohio. Well, Ohio-Indiana border. Oh, but okay. It's, um, All right. Yeah, very, very fucked up. <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, I'm definitely an, an advocate for, I think everybody should do the ancestry thing. Just for the hell of it. Why not? Cool. See who you really are, you know? See, see who you really are. Help, help, out, help out these people that, you know, need some closure, whatever. Exactly, exactly. And... Of course, I'm going to post the articles that I found, all that stuff on our Facebook page, Monsters of the Midwest. And so you can see, I'm going to try to get a picture of Eugene. Now, it was hard. It was hard to do. I found one. I found one. It was hard to do at first (laughs) because I was I was thinking to myself, like, a case this old is kind of obviously we talk about H.H. Holmes and stuff. And there's plenty of pictures of that guy. But some of these older cases that really are no name guys or not high profile right. cases their 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 pictures start to get lost or whatever so i'm going to put his picture i'm going to put the articles that um i used and also i'm going to put those uh those newspaper articles that i found in the archives they're very interest it's a very interesting read how they yeah. told the stories back then very very interesting always remember the code of the midwest don't talk to strangers Don't go anywhere alone. And lock your damn doors. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.